Um, come on, we're going to jump into our message here. Um, we've been in a sermon series called Kingdom Manifesto for the last almost two months, and we're actually preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest recorded sermon in the Gospels in the Bible. Um, and this is really, this is Jesus sharing his heart for his disciples. What does it look like to be a disciple? What does it look like to be a Christian? And he's laying it out for us week by week. And so we started this actually in the fall of last year. We preached through the Beatitudes, which are the first 12 verses. And then now we're kind of working through chapters 5 through 7. And uh, chapter 5, Jesus really did, uh, he, he laid it out there. He was, he was getting in our grill about religion a lot. Um, and in there, uh, one of the verses that really jumps out that will help guide us through today is in verse 16 of chapter 5. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as believers, we are to live our lives in front of others, right? For others to see, for the neighbors, to the co-worker, the classmate, for uh, those in our community as we pass them and interact with them, for them to see something in us, something about us that's different, something, well, Jesus calls it a light that's shining. You know, it's his light shining through us. Has Jesus impacted your life? Come on, somebody wave at me. If Jesus, okay, so, so let people see that. That's what the verse is saying. If they don't see it, then it's like putting it under a bucket, under a bushel, hiding it, and that's no good for God, right? And so we live our lives so that others may see the good works that we do, not for us, but to give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Um, and then we started chapter 6 a few weeks ago, and it's almost as if he contradicted himself because he says this in verse 1 of chapter 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. It was like, hold up, Jesus, didn't you just say? Well, he did. But he clarifies here, in order to be seen by them, right? It's, it's a motive thing. It's the wrong motive. Don't, don't go out and live your life. All the good things God has done in your life, the help he's given you, don't go out and live your life as if you did that. <laughs> is if you took some time, read a book, watched a video, fixed yourself, and look at me now, right? And that's what he's challenging here. And in his day, there were a lot of religious people doing that. And religion is still a, a contentious thing. It's still, there's some good sides to religion, but there's plenty of bad things. When we try to do things uh, on our own without God's help, without Jesus' guidance in our life, without Jesus doing it, uh, oftentimes we, uh, we become self-righteous, or at least we think we are self-righteous. It's, it's a facade. You know, if you put on the fake mask today, if you put on the drama mask, come into the church, hey, look at me, I'm all good, I'm super Christian, look at me, look at me, hey, how are you? I'm good. Did you say that today? When someone said, hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. No, you're not. You're not good. There's none good. <laughs> I know, next week, I'm like, I'm bad. <laughs> no, no, we don't do that, but we, we, we can't. We can't make ourselves righteous. And so Jesus was on this hillside with all these people. His disciples were there, and he's preaching this message. And he's looking across the room, and there's, yes, there's some innocent disciples that just innocently, uh, earnestly want to grow, and they want to know God. And then there's some guys scowling, scowling at him. And there were the religious people, and he's, he's, he's letting them know, hey, I know what you're doing. I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. And it's not okay. And he says, beware of doing this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before the people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is heaven. As a matter of fact, the pats on the back that you get for the good things you've done, hey, look at me, and they say, good job. Well, that's your reward. That's all you're getting. There's no further reward from God. And so he's, he's warning us of that. And he really is addressing in this whole, um, this whole month as we track through chapter 6 and even get into uh, chapter 7, He's addressing our motives, our motives in all the things we do. And he's challenging us to be 
pure in our motives. And, and that, that leads me and you to ask the question, how do I know? How do I know if I'm being pure in my motives? How do I know that? You know, I, I want to be, right? I think I am. I, I, how would I know? And honestly, the answer to that question, in the Bible it tells us this, that you, you don't know. You can't know. If you self-analyze, am I pure? Well, sure I am. You know, I mean, we don't, we, we don't have the capacity to decide that. And so there we, we have to go to God with our motives. We have to say, God, am I, am I pure? We have to invite the Holy Spirit. And that's even earlier during worship. It's so critical in, in our walk with God that we invite God to, to check us out, to judge us, to, to test us. What's my motive? Why am I doing this? Why? And have God to say, well, I see what you did there. I think I asked this question two weeks ago. Why, 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 why do we have so much trouble doing things in secret, in, in private? Why do we have to get recognition? Why do we have to tell people? And I'm just as guilty as any of you. Man, I just sometimes I do stuff and I just want to tell somebody what I did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And why do we have to do that? And it's not totally wrong to do that. As a matter of fact, I think it's, it's healthy sometimes. To, well, we know that. We just did it. We celebrated our giving to the Women's Resource Center. And there's, it's, it's not wrong to do that, but we're not doing, for, doing it for pats on the back, right? We're doing it to glorify God. And Jesus tells us to do that. But why can't we just do things in secret? It's because we have this thing. We have this ego. This ego. Let go of my ego. That's not probably the way you say that, but... We have this ego, and we gotta, we got to get some credit, and, and, and Jesus is warning against that. So we take that motive, we take it to God, we give it to God, we ask God to test us and then in turn purify us. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, would you, would you teach us today by your Holy Spirit? Would you test us? Would you check us out? Convict us. We invite you to convict us. We open our hearts. We bear ourselves to be convicted today by your Holy Spirit, that we might repent, that we might turn, that we might change, that we might course correct, that we might do things your way, not our own ways. And we welcome you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in verse 16, Matthew 6, 16, if you're in your paper Bible or your digital device there, it says, and when you fast, interestingly, Jesus didn't say if, but when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Last week, Pastor Casey's told us the hypocrites is a play actor. It's someone who's faking it. We talked about the mask just now. Wear the mask. What's on the inside is rotten and corrupt, but on the outside, look at my pretty mask. So don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Uh, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. That little pat on the back. They got it, right? Can you imagine now? This is the religious people of the day. They're going to fast, and fasting is a little different today than it was then. We don't... We don't uh, we don't have any rules in this church about fasting, right? I mean, we, we, we never have. We have done some fast. We will do some fast in the future. But we've never said, you must fast to be a leader at Northwood Church. Or, or the worship team, you must fast for a week before you can get on this stage. You know, we don't, that's so silly. We don't do any of that. However, if you go back and look at Jewish history, look at the times of Jesus, it was something that was an expectation. It was something that was mandated. We're going to fast 
and you, 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 you're going to fast. Twice a week, you're going to fast. And so, okay, it was this thing. It was this thing where, you know, they would fast, and then they would walk around. And I can't, I tried in the mirror twice this week. I cannot figure out how to disfigure my face. Like the scriptures say, look at me. I tried. That's not good. I don't know what to do. Can anybody disfigure their face? I don't know. That's what they were doing. I guess they were doing something because they were getting attention by people, you know, say, oh, brother, how long have you been fasting? Oh, you beat me. <laughs> you know, it's like this competition of being good. But Jesus said, no, you're missing the point behind this. Your motive is not pure. Don't be like these guys. So fasting is, some of you don't know, some of you do. Fasting is the spiritual practice of abstaining from food and devoting time to drawing closer to God. Now, fasting is one of those disciplines like prayer. Is a, is a, it's a religious discipline or a spiritual discipline. And worship, as we did earlier, worship is a spiritual discipline. It's something that we do as Christians. And even meditation, where you take the Bible and you open it up and you begin to read. And it's not like you're reading for information. You're reading to meditate on it, to contemplate it, to chew on it a little bit. right? And so it's, it's, fasting is in that category of spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. Uh, Andrew Murray he said this, prayer is reaching out after the unseen, but fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are already or that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. Fasting. Fasting. It's a, I don't know. I mean, show of hands, how many of you have ever fasted before in a spiritual fast? So, so okay, yeah, okay, a little, maybe a little over half. And it's okay if you haven't. It is something that the Bible does tell us we should do, and uh, yet it's not something we have to do. Uh, but, you know, at, at some point in your walk with God, have you ever done this? Have you, at some point in your walk with God, you feel like, and, and I'm just going to use my words. You, you might use your own words here, but it's just like, I just want more, <laughs> I just want more. I want, I want to be closer to God. What, people come to me sometimes, Pastor, what can I do? I just want more. You know, and I go through the spiritual disciplines. Are you worshiping God? Do you have a time of worship where you just can be alone with God and turn on some worship music and just get out of yourself and get God? Do, do, you, do you meditate on the Word of God? Do you take the Bible and read and, and, and highlight Scripture, circle things and go, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? And chew on it until He tells you. Oh, it's so good, right? And you just, ah, oh, boom. You know, it's like the light comes on. Uh, that's a new thing. Boom. It's just like, ah, I'm spiritual revelation. And you're closer to God. And, and then uh, prayer, of course, talking to God. And some people have never talked to God ever in their Christian walk. And so to do that, it, it, it draws us closer to God. And then fasting. Fasting is one of those elements where you abstain from food. You do drink water, please. You do drink your water. And you might go a day. You might, you might just fast a meal. But you, 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 you abstain from food. Um, I, I will say this. You could say it's my opinion. The pastors all agree. We just laughed about it this week. Um, fasting from TV probably is not going to get the same results. Fasting from your Xbox or your PlayStation. Are those still a thing? They're still a thing. Yeah. Uh, probably not going to get the same result. Although, I mean, it is going to be difficult. Um, but uh, fasting from your phone or social media, th those are all good things, but they're not spiritual disciplines. Fasting from food is what the Bible is saying. And so abstaining from food. Uh, we see Jesus... He didn't eat food for 40 days. Can you imagine? 40 days. Moses in the Old Testament, he went 40 days without food. Um, I, I don't recommend you do that on your first go-around. Um, you might just try one day. You might just try, try two days, three days, something like that. Uh, in the past, we've done 21-day fast, 
uh, as a church, you know, we just, again, encourage people to do it. And we've, many have done it. Many have done uh, uh, seven-day fasts. And so fasting, is a, it's a real deal. In the Bible, it's a spiritual discipline. I will admit that fasting is also something in a lot of religions. And many of you, even in this room, are doing intermittent fasting to lose weight. And that is good. Nothing wrong with it. But that's not a spiritual practice. It's to lose weight, right? It's got its own motive. But fasting for spiritual growth and to draw closer to God, to be able to, to, be able to feel God's presence and hear God's voice clearer. Fasting is a very, very common and healthy spiritual practice. And truly, it is intended on being a, a, a humble practice that, that we, we we come before God and we sacrifice. We say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not going to eat food. I'm just going to focus on you. And, and we, we do. We draw near to God. And yet, even we see in the Old Testament, those religious people, we see it today where people abuse it. And it becomes this, this thing where we want to show off our self-righteousness. And it's just not healthy. Paul tells us in the book of Galatians 5.24, um, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Uh, I, I've read the scripture before, and you know we, we know that's not literal crucifixion, like a cross kind of thing, but what is that? What is crucifying the flesh? And one of the things that, that we as believers can do and should do periodically to, to return to this is fasting with its passions and desires. There's something about not eating for three or four days. There's something about eating, not eating food for a week. And you might be new to this, and you might be thinking, this dude's crazy. Don't eat food for a week. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. But I mean, yeah, it's a real thing. But you want to return to this? You want to you go there? That's, that's one of the ways that God prescribes it. And Jesus said, do it, but don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. Don't play acts. Don't put on a show and brag about how long you've been fasting and all the great things that God's doing in your life. Verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. You know, take a shower, brush your hair, right? That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who, is, who sees in secret will reward you. Will reward you. And interestingly here, I've noted Jesus has already in this sermon talked about rewards four times. Rewards. Your father who sees in secret, he's going to reward you. Your father in heaven is going to reward you. He's going to reward you. You want your reward to come from God versus coming from man. Now, I was in, before I was a pastor, I spent many years in the awards business. I was, I made trophies for a living and plaques for a living. My goodness, I've seen some crazy things. You know, it's one thing, Marshall, for you to go buy your team that you coach some awards trophies and that's okay give them the trophy it's okay and I coached soccer this year I gave the little girls trophies we, Mariah and I give them trophies you know it's nothing wrong with that uh, but I've seen people come in before and this was not once many times over the many years that I was in the awards business but I had people come in before and they would look at the walls they'd look at all the plaques and hey can I help you and say yeah I'm looking for a plaque and uh, something you know I want it to be big I want it to be stand out you know and say well, well who's it for and say well I'm, I'm getting it for myself and I always thought that was kind of, kind of odd, kind of vain almost. Is that, is, do you feel that way already? Just it's kind of vain. You know, like, don't recognize yourself, you know. And imagine going in that guy's office, you know, downtown, and you walk in, and you're like, wow, this side's got a lot of accolades. And 
Yeah, he bought them all. So anyway, <laughs> Jesus is saying, don't, don't, don't try to get the attention of people when you fast. Do fast. Take a shower, comb your hair. Let it be between you and God. Deal? Deal. Good. Okay. Jesus talked about rewards in chapter 5 when he said the persecuted would be rewarded. He talked about rewards in, in earlier in chapter 6, verse 4, when we talked about the being generous. He said there's rewards for being generous and rewards for praying. There's rewards for fasting. When God talks about rewards, Jesus talks about rewards in this context. Most likely he's talking about both present rewards and heavenly rewards. A twofer there. You know, there are, there are some rewards that we receive in this life from the Father. Just think about it, drawing near to God. Can you put Galatians back up for me, Millie? Just, just this experience of, of, of fasting and, and sacrifice and, and, and crucifying the flesh and, and then drawing near to God, that in and of itself, doesn't that sound like a pretty good reward? I mean, I don't know anything really to beat that. I don't think Disney would beat that, you know, riding all the rides, the thrills, compared to pulling near to God in the presence of God, feeling the very affirmation of the Father, that's pretty amazing. So there are present day, like in this life, rewards where there's wisdom that God gives us. There's, there's insight that God gives us, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. There's gifts of the Spirit. There's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's comfort. There's so many things that God gives us in this life as rewards for our crucifying the flesh. And, and let me just, a little side note here. If you if you have an experience, I'm talking about drawing near to God. I'm talking about feeling the presence of God. I'm talking about hearing the voice of God. And you're here today, and you're like, well, Pastor, I've never experienced any of those things. And I get it, and you're not alone. There are many that haven't, and it doesn't make you special if you have. And I'm not going to have you raise your hand. Watch this. But if I did, you know, how many of you have experienced the presence of God and felt his presence, heard his voice? And, you know, let's just say, hypothetically, half the room raised their hand. The other half of the room is saying, no. I have it. I was in a small group one time, a long time ago, years ago. It was called, uh, it was Butch, 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 Experiencing God. You and Tina actually led this small group. But I was in a small group, Experiencing God small group, and that was the curriculum. And so um, that particular night in the small group curriculum was hearing the voice of God. And, and that was probably 10 or 12 men in the circle there. And, and I happened to be the last guy, you know, a, in the circle. So the first guy went and he was like, yeah, yeah, I can tell you a time when I heard the presence of God, uh, heard the voice of God. And then number two guy went, yeah, yeah, me too. I've in every single stinking one of those men around that circle. Yeah, I heard the voice of God. Yeah, I felt the presence of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they weren't bragging. They were just being sincere and honest. It was part of the questions, the curriculum. And it got to me, and I'm like, no, I've never heard the voice of God. No, I've never felt the presence of God. And, and honestly, I'm pretty mad right now that he's left me out. <laughs> and I was ready to blame God, you know, or blame these guys for lying. But how did they do that? They didn't make it up, right? So, so, so I, was in, I was on the quest now. Tell me how, right? And I felt, I felt a little bit like Simon the sorcerer when he saw the guys raising the dead and healing the sick. And he was like, can you give me that gift? I'll give you money for it. I didn't do that. But... I was on a quest, and this is where it landed. This is where the road ended, <laughs> that we have to crucify the flesh if we're in Christ with its passions and desires, and the flesh gets in the way. It gets in the way many times, often, maybe even here today in the worship set, you wanted and you tried, but then you had so much going on in your mind. Maybe there's a roast in the 
crockpot at home and all you could do was think about, you know, whether it was going to be overcooked or undercooked or maybe it was about your job or maybe it was about your kids. Maybe one of your kids is wayward. Goodness, maybe, maybe you, gosh, there's so many circumstances in life that, that draw on us and they take us away from our devotion to Jesus. Am I right? And we either succumb to that and allow it to happen and just say, oh, well, I want to, but I just got, I got too much on my plate. Or we can do what the Bible says, and this scripture is only the tip of the iceberg, but it's crucify the flesh. And as we do, it postures us to receive earthly rewards from God. The greatest of those being experiencing his presence and hearing the Father's voice in our lives. And then there's heavenly rewards, and we're really not 100% sure on what that's going to look like. The Bible mentions several things, but the Bible does mention that there are heavenly rewards, and we want them. We, and Jesus tells us they're much better even than earthly rewards. Can you imagine? Heavenly rewards. Heavenly rewards follow our obedience to God in this context of the Scripture, but also in our walk with God. As we obey God, as we honor God, He sees in secret. He sees our obedience. He sees when that temptation to do that thing that you know conviction says don't do. He sees when you abstain. He sees when you do that thing. Maybe, maybe you do, you know, your, your, your coworker, classmate, somebody, you know, you see them down and out, man, they can't afford something, you, and you give them some money, you buy them something, or you do something kind for them. God sees that. Maybe you slip a 20 on their desk, and you don't even tell them it was you. You just bless them. And Heavenly Father, this is Mike's opinion. This is Mike's opinion. This is Mike's opinion, Jay. I'm just giving you my opinion right now. He says, I have not seen this. God did not tell me this. But in my opinion, when you do that, you slip that 20 on that co-worker's desk. You don't tell him you did it. You just bless him. I just think God kind of puts a smile on his face. He says, look at my boy. Yep. Hey, I need another one of them rewards. Put it in Jay's account. Yeah. And you don't even know, right? You'll know that. Matter of fact, I just told you three times. That's just my opinion. So you don't even know if you believe me right now. But the Bible, when you read the Bible, it tells us there's heavenly rewards. There's something waiting for us when we get there. We walk in, Jesus, well done, Todd. Well, I'm a bro. I'm so stinking excited. I don't know if he would use that word, stinking, but he's, I'm so excited that you're here. And, oh, I've got so much plan for you. Before, look, before we do anything, though, come here. Let me show you what I've been stored up for you for all them things you did in the secret. Bam. And you're like, Lord, I don't deserve these things here. And you slide them back to Jesus. You're worthy of all these, not, not me. He's like, yeah, I know, <laughs> but I did it anyway. Here, take them. So anyway, there's rewards. We'll figure that out when we get there. But the thing with that is that there's no guarantee of, of accumulation of wealth in this life as a reward. And, I, and I'm, this is kind of caveat. I'm pointing this out. It's not that having money, it's not that having wealth is bad. Don't, don't get this wrong now. But somewhere along the way, Christendom has led us to believe that if you do kind deeds, that God's going to bless you with money in this life. And accumulation of wealth is actually, and it, and it was true in the, in the days of Jesus as well, that accumulation of money was a sign of God's favor on your life. And the well done was actually done in this life. And so you accumulated wealth. And that just doesn't fit. It, that, that narrative only fits us as Americans. It doesn't fit around the world. Go tell that to a Zimbabwean who has nothing <laughs> That your accumulation of wealth is a sign of God's blessing on your life. You know, go tell that to the guys 200, 300 years ago who lived through some of the worst times in human history. You know, it just doesn't, 
it doesn't, it's, not, it's not a global thing. It's not, it's not even true. And so we have to be careful because sometimes we'll, 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 we'll get focused on accumulation of wealth as a benefit, as a reward from God, as feedback from God. And, and we've done good, and God says, yes, here's your reward, and money, money, money. And, and, and that's not true. As a matter of fact, we get to verse 19. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth and rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would y'all read that last sentence with me together? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this does not mean you can't have a savings account. <laughs> I mean, we swing, don't we? We're like, well, okay then. I'm, if Jesus said, go and sell your possessions, give all your money to the poor, and come and follow me, I guess I got to do that. No, no, that was one guy, not all of us. It doesn't mean you can't have money, so don't, don't, don't stream. But we're checking motives today. We're talking about devotion today. And Jesus said, man, don't make it your life's ambition to store up a bunch of money on earth. You might end up like the guy, the parable that Jesus told later, where he, he says the guy had all his money and his grain silos were full and he's laying in his bed at night and says, look at me, all this money, I'm going to have to build bigger silos to hold all of my possessions, all of my grain, and oh, I'm going to have to build bigger stuff to hold all of my wealth, I'm so good, you know, and, and God showed up and says, oh, today's your last day, you're not going to get to spend any of that, and the guy died, you know. Don't be like that guy. Jesus said, don't make it your life's motive to build wealth. Now, he didn't say don't build wealth. He said, just, just be careful about storing up treasures here on earth. It's not, it's not what we do. We miss it. We miss it when that is our sole objective, to, to gather money, to have money. As a matter of fact, we, we, it, it, it impacts us. It, it influences everything about us when we are in it for the money. I need more money. How much is enough, by the way? Some statistics say that an income of $60,000 is all we need in today's age. I don't know if that's true or not. Sometimes that kind of scares me. I don't know if that's enough. <laughs> How much is enough, though? Studies have been done throughout. You might have read them. I'm not going to throw statistics at you, but every one of the studies say there's never enough. You make $50,000, it's not enough. You want to make $75,000. You make $75,000? It's not enough. You want to make 100000 You make 100000 it's never enough. You want to make 150000 I want to make 200000 I want to make 250000 I want to make more, 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 more. Give me more. The commercial says, I want it all, <laughs> and I want it now. <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, come on, guys. You're believers here. You should be storing up treasures in heaven. Todd, you got to slip that 20. You got to do those things. You got to invest in heaven, because, because, Millie, throw my last scripture back up, 21, because where your treasure is, this is Jesus, y'all, we said it, that's where your heart is, so I could ask you, don't answer, but I could ask you, where's your heart, is your heart in the things of this world, or is your heart in heaven, to truly answer that, look at your checkbook, what have you invested in? 
Well, pastor, I've invested in cryptocurrency. That's the money of heaven, right? No, it's not. <laughs> Nothing wrong with crypto. I, I, I'm not saying that. But, you know, pastor, I've invested in homes. I've, in, I've invested in the stock market. I've invested in this. I've invested in that. You know, okay, where, Jesus said, not Mike, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So where's your heart? You can't say, I think we have good intentions. Lord, Lord, my heart's in heaven. I love Jesus. I'm a believer. I'm all in. Come on. You know what I'm saying. I'm all in, Jesus. We like to do that. I'm all in, Jesus. And, and he's like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where's your money? Where's your possessions? Where's your stuff that matters so much to you? Where's that stuff that, uh, that keeps you awake at night? Thinking about your stuff, how to protect your stuff, how to make more stuff, how to get more stuff. Ah, where's that stuff at? Because <laughs> that's where your heart is. Y'all feeling this? I'm feeling it. I'm going to tell you, okay, let me be real for a second. Not that I haven't been so far. But I'm just like you. I mean, I, I remember at 14 years old getting my driver's license, you know, like a few days later. And I, immediately I was thinking how I was going to pay for the gas. I started saving money at 14 for when I got my license at 15 because I wanted to have money for gas. And I filled up my tank once and all my money was gone. <laughs> and then I was like scraping pennies together. I remember one day I can visually see myself in the kitchen. I poured out my, my change jar because that's all I had. And I counted it out because I knew that's how much gas I was going to get. And I remember it. I remember then. I remember then. I wish I'd have brought my billfold with me. I remember then checking every, looking all over the cushions and everything because I needed more money. I needed, I needed gasoline. It's getting that way again, isn't it, Marshall? Yeah, $10 barrel, yeah, it's, or a gallon, yeah, it's coming. So it's like, I, wanted, I needed gas because I needed to go. I needed mobility. I could not stand staying at the house. I got to get out of here. I got to go. My friends are out there. They're all having fun in my mind. And I had to go. Does anybody relate? You remember this time when you were that age? Some of you still are. <gasps> and, and, and that has stuck with me my whole life. I'm 55 years old now, and I still have to fight crucify the flesh. The flesh don't go away. And just because I crucified it five years ago don't mean it's still crucified. And the flesh still sees money or sees lack of money and starts feeling weird. I don't like that feeling, Karen. I don't like not having any money. You know what it is? It's, I want to say innocently, I like security. Oh, I like security. Don't you like security? Come on. We like security. No, you know what the truth is? We like control. <laughs> we like control. And I don't like being out of control. <laughs> I like control. I want to control I, the situation, including my checkbook. I want control in there. I want it all. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you can say it all day long, your heart's in heaven, but you're a liar, buddy. <laughs> Your heart's in the things of this earth. What we desire, what we focus on, determines the direction of our lives. It determines the decisions we make and the passions we chase, and it determines the habits we allow. <clears throat> and that's why Jesus says, be real careful about this, storing up treasures on earth. Because where your money is, that's where your heart is. And he's like, hey, hey, come on. Your mind, do whatever it takes to build that heavenly bank account. Store up treasures in heaven because when you do that, you're, you know where your heart's at. You'll know your heart's 
in heaven. Verse 22, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, he's still talking about this, but it's as if he shifted a little bit here. He kind of went deeper. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you, or what you call the light in you, is darkness, how great is the darkness? How great, the darkness is symbolic of deception. Man, Jesus is just plowed and he just gut punched us about where our heart is and and, and, and we're still dazed from it going, gosh, he's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. And he's just going a little deeper and saying, man, your darkness is so dark that you're deceived. You think your heart's in heaven and your money's here. You think you can do that. You're deceived. Be careful here. Checking motives. Checking the heart. Check it. He, he uses the eye and most of the scripture uses the eye in place of the heart, the eyes of the heart. Paul even says in Ephesians, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he, Jesus, has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, the riches. Interesting, Paul said this. He knew something about what Jesus was saying. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Jesus says a healthy eye, clear eye, a single-minded eye, devoted to God, focused on God, devoted to God, devoted to God first, devoted to God most, receives a word from God, receives reward from God, the generous eye, the healthy eye. But the bad eye, it's blurry vision, wrong perspective, even stingy. That's the bad eye. It's a double-minded man, and the Bible says a double-minded person is unstable in all other ways, split between the world and God, and we shouldn't expect any reward from God. Jesus finishes today's section with verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve devotion, right? You can't do it. This is a resolve. This is a, this is a moment where we say, you're right, Jesus. And, and maybe I have been. Maybe I've been trying. Maybe I've been so passionate and devoted to making money that it has. It has become more important to me than my devotion to God. And I don't know that we can even, it's so hard to reconcile that. It's so hard to admit that. And for me, I know it is for you. For all of us, it's hard to admit that. So, so we're going to pray. We're going to ask God. We're going to give this to God. We're going to give our, we're going to give our motives to God and ask God, am I pure? And if not, God, convict me because we need his help today. The sermon wasn't about rewards, and the sermon wasn't about fasting. The sermon wasn't about, even about obedience, although it plays in. The sermon was about devotion. Devotion to Jesus. Jesus. It, and the question I wrote in my notes, but I'm asking myself, and I want you to ask yourself, the, the question I wrote in my notes is, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? And that's a good question to ask ourselves, to test ourselves is Jesus enough and don't flippantly say well of course he is <laughs> does my life reflect that is Jesus enough 
I don't need something else, another fix, another thing that supplements Jesus because he's just not enough. You know, is that, and if so, Father, help us. Come on, let's pray. Father, we, we humbly posture ourselves in a place of repentance. And we submit to you our lives, our desires, our devotion. And God, we lay it at your feet and we're asking you to decide, for you to bring clarity and conviction where we've missed it, where we've allowed ourselves to be torn between our love for Jesus and our love for the things of this world. We need this so bad, Jesus. Left to ourselves, we are a mess. And our lives are a wreck. We need this so bad, Jesus. And so, God, we're asking you humbly, would you, would you weigh us today? Would you check us? Would you look over our lives and show us those things that, that we're, we're really doing for ourselves, for self-righteousness, for self-pleasure, for self-motives. God, we're asking you to convict us. And Lord, we take this time to repent because already there's conviction. We repent. And God, we're looking at those things ourselves. We're saying, okay, God, you're showing me this, you're showing me this. And we're saying, God, yes, this week we will begin to correct those things. God, yes, this week we will begin by your, by your mercy and grace, by your hand of guidance, we'll begin to to release some things and to, to back away from certain things and to reprioritize some things and to go back to our first love, to return to the devotion to Jesus Christ, to, to pray, to worship, to fast, to meditate on your word, to embrace truth over the dark deception that the bad eye brings. And we need your help for that your help for that. In Jesus' name. Come on, just take a moment before we, before we leave this prayer. Maybe someone in here, you, you, you're here today and you hear these messages, you hear these words, you hear us talk about Jesus and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're here today because you're searching, you're hungry. Maybe, maybe you're here today and he's opened your eyes to see your need, your great need for salvation. The Bible tells us that, that apart from Christ, we are, we are separated from God. And we can't know God without His invitation, without His Holy Spirit. And that it's, it's not okay to just act out Christian things. We have to be born again. We have to be born again by God's Spirit. And that's not something we can do on our own. And sin keeps us separate from God. But Jesus Christ died on a cross on a hill called Calvary, and he took on your sin, your sin. He took on your sin. And if the Bible says, if you'll believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins, and if you'll confess it with your mouth, that you would be saved or rescued, rescued from separation from God. God's reaching his hands out today, and he's saying, will you receive Jesus? 
if that's you, if you've never done that, or maybe it was a long, long time ago and you've walked so far from God, you don't feel him today. If that's you, let's just pray. Let's pray something like this. Just say, God in heaven, come on, help me out, folks. God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today, and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you, Jesus. Tell him this. Say, I give you all of me, and I receive all of you.